Hey, what's up, boxing fans? Welcome to episode 340, 340 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, as always. And I remind you, as I always do, to uh, make sure you subscribe, click that notification bell, and uh, leave us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. If you can't catch the live video, it's all good. You can listen to the podcast anywhere podcasts are heard. Just look for Montero Unboxing, The Neutral Corner. You'll find me. Make sure that you're subscribed and always, 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 always pay the fee. Now, what is the fee? It's not monetary. All we ask is that you guys spread the word about the show. Just tell people out there about the show. That's it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. We ask you to do that every single week. All right. That's how we build this thing up. We build it with uh, organic word of mouth uh, type of chatter among real boxing fans. That's what we do here. And it's a global thing. So uh, we might be joined by a couple guests here. I'm not sure. Um, I got things set up today late last minute. I'm running around like crazy. I'm, I'm just been working really hard the last few days. I've been insanely busy, uh, barely <laughs> had any sleep. Um, but local promoter, Terry Moss, who I've had in the show a few times, her and a new promoter in town, Gabriel Bell, they're teaming up to do a club show here in town this Friday. They might jump on at some point just to talk about that. Uh, friends of the show, undefeated Belarusian heavyweight, Sergei Novakow, is headlining that show. He's been here on my channel before. He's headlining the show Friday. So any of my friends out there in the Atlanta area, if you want to check it out, let me know. I'll give you some more info, okay? Uh, I, I love club shows. Terry always puts on a great, great show. And I'm excited to meet Gabriel Bell, um, who, who's a new promoter here in town and see what he's got. Um, it's it's called Atlanta Premier Boxing. It's at Center Stage, downtown Atlanta. Doors open at 6 p.m. And the first bout is at 7 p.m. Actually, it looks like they just jumped on, guys. Let me pull them on real quick, and we'll talk about this show, and then we'll get on with the review preview and talk about what we got coming up this weekend around the world. All right, let's bring them on. Gary Moss, Gabriel. Hello, Hello Montero. So nice to have you guys on. Thank you for joining last minute. I, I'm sorry, I just got you guys the info. I've, I'm like running around like crazy. All right. I feel like I just saw you, Mike. I know. Yeah. yeah. Just saw you, what, uh, four, not even 48 hours ago, right. <laughs> 24 <laughs> hours ago. Uh, well, uh, let's let's talk about the show Friday. Uh, Atlanta premiere, boxing at Center Stage, downtown Atlanta. Doors open at 6 p.m. And the first fight's at 7 p.m. Uh, tell us about the show. And then Gabriel, um, you're new to the boxing promotion scene here. Tell us about your background and what made you want to get into the boxing business. Um, I have very limited background in boxing, but I used to love watching boxing as a kid, fell in love with the sport um, many moons ago. Um, so I've always loved boxing. Uh, recently got in the gym, started training, and uh, went to a couple of shows and had a great experience and fell in love with it. That's awesome, man. So, so you got bit by the bug is what you're saying. I got bit by the bug. It still got a hold of me, too. I just I just love I love everything about boxing. Doing promoting is a little bit different than just watching it on the TV screen. But I still love it. It's, it's, it's a great experience. Yeah, let me tell you, brother, once you get bit by that bug, it is for life. And you're part of this great, big, dysfunctional family now. Um, it's like you think of like Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner where everyone's sitting around arguing and yelling. But then you give each other a big hug at the end and you love each other. It's all good. That's the family you just joined, brother. So get ready. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's fight week. So so how are you feeling? Because Terry is used to doing a thousand different things. She's like the Renaissance woman of boxing. I don't know how you do it, Terry. You have endless energy. But uh, Gabriel, how is this experience for you being new to this whole thing? It's been an emotional roller coaster ride. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you have highs and lows. Several of them during the day, throughout the day, um, you have problems that happen, and uh, you just solve the problems as they come. But I definitely feel like I'm alive. It's it's been one emotional roller coaster every day up up until you know even Friday. I've still got a couple of more days left, so I'm hanging in there and trying not to look down. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys had any dropouts, or has it been pretty good with the fights? Of course. Always. Oh shit. I mean, we got a we, we have a pretty solid start card. So one one that we started with, and we still have that same card, just some late add-ons that actually didn't make it in there. So uh, I think we're gonna be all right. We still have a really good fight card lineup. You guys have some great local talent with some local prospects. Uh Sergei Novakow, he is is he still headlining the heavyweight from Belarus? Uh, no, we have Demichael Harris uh headlining okay. because he's local and but they are coming back, yeah. So we're real excited okay. we're talking to their managers. We're trying to get their flight itinerary straight. So, um, but they're excited to come back. They seem to have made a home uh, in Atlanta. So we're yeah. glad to have him back. Yeah, he's been, I feel like he's fought here a few times. I've had him on the show. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, like I have a six week old daughter and I've been complaining about not getting any sleep. I might get more sleep this week than both of you is combined. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it goes third fight week. Uh well, so okay, so are you? You guys are doing a stream, right? Uh, can you give us some more info yeah, on that where fans can watch? Yeah, bxng.tv. Uh, we used those guys before for the um, for the under, what, what was it? The summertime brawl. underground showdown. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Not underground showdown. Yeah, so too many shows, Mike. Too many. I shows. know. For the summertime brawl, um, we did we did we we broadcast with them. So they're they're a really nice up and coming. Um, uh, well, they're pretty established actually. Um, boxing platform. So we're excited to have them. They come in. You know, do the broadcast and put it on there live, and then it's going to be on demand on their on their uh, platform later. What's the link again? Could you repeat it? Yeah, it's bxng.tv. Bxng. Okay. Yeah. And is is it is there like a charge, like a pay per view charge, or is it? Ooh, I should know that, but I don't. So <laughs> I know that we, uh, you know, Greg Cohen works with these guys a lot, and so he, uh, you know, brought him back into the brought him into the picture for this one. I think he he might have. Uh, between him and another guy that was working on the summertime brawl, you know, they they got him involved on that show too. So I'm excited to work with them again. They're real professional. They get it done, and you won't even notice they're there. Awesome. And it's it's JB Promotions, right? J dot B E Promotions, correct? That's correct. J dot B E Promotions. Okay. And so what's the plan here, Gabriel? Like, do you want to do shows once a year, every quarter? Like, do you have any idea how you want to do this? So what I'd like to do, what I've got envisioned in my mind is to throw a venue every three to four months. Okay. And the whole concept behind JB Promotions and Atlanta Premier Boxing is to give the local boxers, um, not just local boxers, just the people that aren't as much on the boxing scene um, as they should be, that have talent, a venue and a, a, good, a good venue to have a great fight at. And hopefully they can propel their career from there. But that's our goal is to just be able to have a platform for young boxers with talent all across the nation to come out, showcase their talent and hopefully catapult them to the next level. That sounds great, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I tell everybody, you know, um, well, Terry knows me and we've known each other for a while, but I moved here from L.A., which is kind of the the mecca of boxing right now in North America. It's where all the gyms are. Um, a lot of promotional companies are out there. And then Vegas is right down the road, basically. Right. But, you know, coming out here to Atlanta. I feel like it's such an untapped resource. I mean, they've had Olympics here 
uh, Super Bowls. And I don't understand why more promotions don't come here. I tell everybody all the time, you need to get your ass to Atlanta. Right. It's, there's a lot of wealth here. There's a lot of money. It's a big sports market. Um, and a lot of shows that have come here from all over, you know, different promotions have done really, really well. Yeah. But it's the club shows. That's the lifeblood, right? Right, right. That's the lifeblood of the sport. So so I, I love this uh, this whole idea, what you guys are doing Friday. Um, I love a Friday show. I feel like everybody tries to jam them on Saturday. Right. Right? Get the weekend started, man. Right. Do it on Friday. I agree. So if, if I'm awake and my wife lets me, I will be there. That's right. I'll, I'll be there hanging out with you guys. So yeah, um, yeah. we're looking forward to seeing you, Michael. Come on out and have a great time with us. Awesome. Awesome. And um, I will get the, um, I'll, I'll make sure I tweet everything out, all the links and stuff on all my social. And uh, we'll have to have you back on Gabriel, Terry. We know we'll have you on very, very soon. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for having us. All right. Have a good, have a good day. Uh, try to get some rest and uh, I'll, I'll see you Friday. All right. Ciao. Okay. All right. There they go. All right, guys. Um, once again, it's Atlanta premier boxing center stage. It's, it's an awesome venue, downtown um, Atlanta. Actually, there was a, a corporate fight night show, a show that I fought on last year. They had uh, this year's show at center stage. And I just saw that uh, venue for the first time a couple months ago. Uh, I think it was September. Yeah, September. All, it's all blurring together right now. Awesome venue. Really, really cool venue. So any of you guys around the Atlanta area that are curious, definitely hit me up. And then um, for those of you listening, because I know a lot of my Atlanta people listen to the podcast. You guys don't always catch the video. Uh, that's actually where 90% of my audience is, is on the, the podcast. Probably 95%, honestly. So when you guys listen to the audio pod later on, just DM me, message me, text me, whatever. I'll get you more info on the show. All right. All right. Let's um, make sure I didn't miss anything in the comments section. Oh, my boy, Michael Mendiola says, have a great show, Mike. Just landed at LAX after two weeks. Long flight and a long day so far. Yeah, man, that, that jet lag is going to be bad. Um so glad that you got to spend two weeks over there in the motherland, brother. Um, some of those photos you sent, amazing. I hope we see some more and we hear all about your travels over there. Um, and your daughter's doing great with the dialect, bro. Really, really great. Uh, Pat the Wild Goose says, was in Naples a few months ago. Michael Mendiola, amazing place. Napoli. That's actually where a good chunk of my father's family is from. We always thought they were from Sicily. And I know like he has distant relatives from Sicily, but the majority of his family is from Naples. We found out recently as we kind of did some, some more digging. Uh, so I have direct lineage to Naples. Pretty awesome. Okay. Let's move forward. Shall we? Let's get into this review. Much to discuss. Much to discuss. All right. Um, and for some of you guys, we got some of you on the line here. Uh, just sit tight because I got a lot to get through. And then uh, we'll get some calls. Guys, I'll stay on as long as I can today. I don't know if I'll go as long as I normally do today because um, I, just things are just crazy with, with the baby right now. Um, so me and my wife are really going through it, hitting that six-week-old growth spurt. And there's just... Not a lot of sleeping happening right now. Anyway, all right, review time. Uh, last Friday, 
I, I we had uh, we had Brandon Glanton on the show last weekend, right? Or last weekend, Jesus. I'm sorry, guys. I'm all over the place. Last Monday, last week on the show, we had Brandon Glanton on. Undefeated at the time, American Cruiserweight contender. Went up against another undefeated Cruiserweight, David Light. Ends up losing a split decision in a 10-rounder. Uh, Light was dropped in the 10th round, although it looked like a slip. I think the referee screwed that up, so I'm not even going to count that. But uh, this decision was controversial. This was the main event of a Pro Box car down in Florida. And uh, the judges had it really tight, 95-94, one way each. But then Thomas Nardone, an American judge, scored at 97-92 for David Light, which is just not the fight that took place. So I have no idea what that judge was seeing, but most people, I'd say two-thirds of the people I have spoken with, because uh, I tweeted about this fight, and then Probox did a poll, and they were asking everybody what they thought, and it seems to me about 70% or so out there think that Brandon Glanton won that fight. So my hope is that they run it back. I hope they can run that fight back because it was super duper close. And I want to see what Glanton could do in a rematch if he could make some adjustments and fight a little better because it was a very, very tight fight. All right, so that's what took place Friday. Now, Saturday, two major cards of note. Let's jump over to England first. And um, interesting card. <laughs> I'm going to try not to be too critical here, okay? But uh, last Saturday, December 3rd, Top Rank at Queensbury did a show in London, of course. And uh, this was on ESPN Plus here in the States. I'll get to the main event in a second. But let's talk about this co-main between Daniel Dubois and Kevin Lorena, a South African fighter who really spent the bulk of his career at Cruiserweight and then, I guess, started bodybuilding. And then now he's a heavyweight because he, he looked thick, right? He looked like a bodybuilder in the ring. That's what I saw. And he, he was explosive with his hands, but his feet didn't necessarily move very quickly. And um, he didn't really have a lot of stamina. It, it was a bizarre kind of fight. So in the first round, Lorena lands in overhand. He's a southpaw. So he landed a glancing overhand left that seemed to land on the top of Dubois' head. You could immediately tell Dubois' equilibrium was gone, and he went down from that punch. Now, that was a legit knockdown. He wasn't so much hurt as he was discombobulated from where that punch landed. That punch should have never landed because Lorena telegraphed it. He, threw, he, he does throw pretty fast. He's explosive. But you could tell that's what he was throwing, right? And a shorter guy looping a big shot like that just should have never landed. Dubois should have been able to get around that or just stick his hand out and catch it. Put his He could have put his, uh, well, it would have been his rear hand, but he could have got his hand up at a 45-degree angle and just caught it on the head. Uh, but he didn't. Punch lands on the top of the head, goes down. Um, now, he was dropped technically two more times in the first round, but no punches landed. Those other two knockdowns were Dubois essentially taking a knee where his, his equilibrium was not back yet. And in his mind, he thought, let me take a knee so I don't get hit with something real big on the chin because that's what knocks you out, right? A punch on the side of the head, the top of the head, it won't knock you out, but it will get your equilibrium all over the place, scramble your circuits, and then you can get knocked out after that. And Dubois, there was a little bit of panic in him and his body language. It didn't look good, 
But in the end, it was a smart decision what he did. Um, the, 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 the commentary from Joe Tessitore and Andre Ward, they seemed to miss that those other two knockdowns did not come from punches and they were completely voluntary. Um, I don't know how they missed that because, you know, I don't have the best vision in the world, but I could see pretty clearly Dubois took a knee. Anyway, um, so the second round, Lorena has the opportunity of a lifetime. You clearly have a guy that's hurt. And instead of going after him and completely emptying his tank, he just stays on the back foot and just wings, uh, telegraphed, looping left hands. It was really bizarre. And I don't know if his corner told him, hey, don't shoot your wad. We're in this for the long haul, blah, 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 blah. If that's the, I don't really know. I, I don't, because the, the the production wasn't very good on that fight for ESPN. They got it together for the main event. By the way, I have to mention this, not to beat up on this platform, but they wanted to interview Tyson Fury and they had Mark Kriegel in the locker room. After that amazing first round where you almost had one of the biggest upsets of the year take place, did they go to David Light's corner or Danny Dubois' corner? No. They go to Tyson Fury and Mark Kriegel in a locker room. Just who made that decision? But somebody screwed up because they they played the audio from Dubois' corner while showing the video of Mark Kriegel with Tyson Fury. It was just so grossly mishandled. It just, oh my God, the production of some of these things. You guys got to get it together. Yeah, Tyson Fury, I get it, heavyweight champ. He can wait another round or record that segment and play it later for filler. But Jesus Christ, guys, it was the most dramatic moment of the entire fight card. And you screwed it up. Have to bring that up. Okay. Second round. Lorena has the chance of a lifetime. Does he jump on Dubois? Does he empty the tank? Does he go for Brooke? No. He lays back. And what happens? Dubois gets his bearings. And then the, 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 uh, difference in skill level between these two is pretty apparent, right? Right away. And it's in size too. Dubois, much, much bigger, naturally guy. Lorena had a big moment. Dubois was frozen stiff in that first round. When he started to get it together in the second round. And then in the third, he lands a beautiful, beautiful straight one, two, right down the middle that Lorena walked right into, put him down on his ass, landed on the chin, not the top of the head. And Lorena was pretty much done after that. He got up and kept fighting, but Dubois teed off, got Lorena on the ropes, landed a monster uppercut that sent Lorena like sitting down on the ropes at the very end of the third round, and the referee called it. At first, I didn't love the stoppage because it was the very end of the round. The referee should have some awareness about the timing of these things, but the writing was on the wall. Lorena would have been knocked out, con you know, concussed badly in the fourth round. It was over. I just, for the life of me, I can't understand why he didn't go for broke in the second round. If his corner actually told him, dude, just take your time and box. That is the worst corner advice you can give to a B-side fighter brought in as a showcase for the quote unquote next big thing. Like what, what do you guys think you're doing there? You got to go for it when you have the opportunity. Now, maybe his corner did tell him that and he just didn't have the intestinal fortitude or I don't know. I really don't know. But whatever happened there, talk about a blown opportunity. And David Lorena, that has, that's going to be a long flight back home to South Africa because, boy, you had the chance of a lifetime. 
and you screwed that up, man. Uh, for Dubois, I've always been high on him and his potential. He checks a lot of boxes straight out of central casting for a 21st century heavyweight and seems to have every single thing, but there just seems to be something missing. That X factor, the, the mentality, um, maybe it's chin. I don't know, but guys, he wasn't dropped by Joyce and Joyce landed some bombs on dude. So I can't sit there and think, oh my God, this guy has a glass chin. Cause that's what everyone started saying on Twitter. A guy gets knocked out. Oh my God, he has a glass chin. Have you ever gotten hit with a baseball bat in the top of your head? You'll probably go down too. That's basically what happened to him. Let's give Dubois a little bit of credit. He got up. He did the smart thing. It took a knee. He got up, fought on and got the stoppage. So let's give him that much. However, this wasn't a good look. I've been high on Dubois for a long time, but I can't be as high on him now after this performance. Okay. So his stock dropped with this win. Uh, you know, it absolutely dropped. I'm not ready to give up on him just quite yet, though. I definitely think there's still a lot of potential there. Guys, it's heavyweights. Heavyweights are just different, you know, but um, there definitely seems to be something just quite not right. Maybe they can iron it out. Maybe not. Uh, we'll find out. All right. Main event, Tyson Fury, TKO 10 win over Derek Chisora. What do we tell you guys here Friday on my Friday show? Tyson Fury is going to carry Derek Chisora past the over, and then either the refs, I said the corner would stop it, but it ends up the referee stops it. And that's exactly what happened. We told you guys to bet the over. We told you. Hopefully you did, for those of you who bet, because it was a pretty smart bet. Uh, that was the only bet to make with this fight. Okay, so this this fight, this fight was pretty pointless, other than getting Tyson Fury some rounds, getting him paid, getting Derek Chisora paid. They accomplished all those things, and... Alexander Usyk was there. So was Joe Joyce. There was some other fighters there too. But after the, the, the fight, Fury calls Usyk out to the ring. Uh, he's standing in the ropes. Usyk gets just outside the ropes. They stare each other down. Tyson Fury says a bunch of stuff to Usyk, and Usyk just kind of stares back and walks away. Uh, Joyce was there too, and he kind of fed into Fury's thing and yelled back at him, and it kind of had – it was a fun WWE-style promotion. So this was a commercial for two fights that Tyson Fury wants to do next year. He also mentioned fighting Deontay Wilder for a fourth time. And that could happen more on that in a second. Uh, it really could happen, but um, okay. As it stands right now, Tyson Fury's legacy is solely built upon his wins over Deontay Wilder. <sighs> Is Deontay Wilder better than Ernie Shavers for you heavyweight historians? Ernie Shavers was seen as the biggest puncher in heavyweight history until very recently. Larry Holmes beat Ernie Shavers twice. Is Larry Holmes' legacy built on beating Ernie Shavers? Ali beat Shavers, I do believe, if memory serves me correctly. Is Ali's legacy built on that? No. Why do I bring this up? Tyson Fury needs more. These recent wins over Dillian White and Derek Chisora, while they were good wins, dominant, and um, Dillian White was a top 10 rated heavyweight at the time, um, they're not 
all-time great Hall of Fame type of legacy building fights. The Alexander Usyk fight, although Fury will have an enormous size advantage, it, it, seeing the two of them next to each other's Tyson Fury's head, his head was twice as big as Usyk's. It was jarring to see his coconut twice as big as Usyk's. It's it just a massive, massive size advantage. So if Fury loses a single round to Alexander Usyk, it will be a moral loss. Seriously. He shouldn't lose a round to the guy uh, when they do fight. I have my opinions on how that fight's going to go. I'm going to hold out on that for now. I do think it happens next year. Fury needs that fight. And even though he's going to be beating up on a much smaller guy and all that good stuff, if he fights Usyk and wins, he's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And even though Klitschko and, and Lewis before him were much more dominant in their era, Klitschko owned the division for a decade. Lewis cleaned it out, fought all the top guys except the ones who ducked him, like, like Riddick Bowe. Um, those guys, you know, and then before him, it was Holyfield and on and on and on could go. Fury really doesn't have that kind of legacy, but he'll have something none of those guys had. He'll be the first undisputed heavyweight champion in the so-called four belt era. He'll have that. He'll also have a win over Usyk, who is an Olympic gold medalist and the former undisputed cruiserweight champion. So he'll have a lot of credentials at that point on paper that he can take with him and his legacy, right? Now, he said he wants to fight three times next year. Do I believe him? Absolutely freaking not. I don't think that's going to happen. But if we take him at his word, okay, which I know is insane, but just hear me out. If Fury really does fight three times next year and he fights Usyk and beats him, he fights Joe Joyce, who he called out, and beats him. I think Joe Joyce is the third best heavyweight in the world right now. I rate him over Wilder. I rate him over Joshua. I do. Does he have the resume of Anthony Joshua? No. But I rate him above those guys because I just think he'd beat them right now. I just do. Okay. Uh, in terms of accomplishments, yeah, maybe you don't rate him that high yet. But in terms of where I rate them head to head, I put Joyce at number three at heavyweight right now. So, if Fury beats Usyk and Joyce, and then the WBC, they're in business with premier boxing champions, right? And there, there's been money changing hands. They're going to mandate the fight between Andy Ruiz, Deontay Wilder, which will happen next spring on pay-per-view, Fox pay-per-view, or Showtime pay-per-view, one of them. Probably Fox pay-per-view. Anyway, they're going to mandate that as the WBC interim heavyweight title. And they're going to mandate that the the Fury Usyk winner has to face the Wilder Ruiz winner. The WBC would love to get that title in the hands of Andy Ruiz for certain political reasons, but consolation prize, if it goes to Deontay Wilder, who they do a ton of business with, right? They protected him for years. If it gets back in his hands, they'd love to see a fourth fight between Fury and Wilder. If, 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 Fury beats Usyk, Joyce, and Wilder for a fourth time all next year, 2023. He's a lock for 2023 fighter of the year. He's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And at that point, he's beat the top 
up-and-coming guy at this point in time, the top undefeated contender in Joe Joyce and Usyk, I should mention, but Usyk's not a contender, he's a champion. He can walk away. At that point, he can walk away. He ain't got to fight again. But as it stands right now, Tyson Fury is going to make the Hall of Fame if he retired tomorrow. But his legacy against even Klitschko, either Klitschko, and um, and guys like you know Lewis and just recent like 21st century heavyweights, it just doesn't stack up. It just doesn't. He gets oh, those accomplishments I mentioned next year. Different conversation, at least on paper. Okay, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, moving to America, Glendale, Arizona, Matchroom Boxing put out a card uh, on the zone, and this was a fun card. It was loaded, great fan atmosphere. I'll get to the main event in a second. Let's talk about some undercard action. Uh, the, the performance of the night in terms of like breakthrough dominant performance goes to Diego Pacheco, undefeated super middleweight a prospect out of Los Angeles. And TKO2 win was explosive, was exciting, really, really great performance. He definitely left an impression on the crowd. And um, people are going to want to see him again. My thing is, He's an L.A.-based fighter. Let's get this guy fighting in L.A. more. L.A.'s a big market, dude. I get it. Arizona's just over the border from California, and it's way cheaper. There's a lot of California people that are buying homes in Arizona, doing business in Arizona. I get it. It's a tax shelter. And as a, for a boxing event, you can get all those L.A. people to drive out there and buy tickets. I get it. But let's get this guy some fights in L.A. more often. He has fought there. You know, I, I get it. Southern California. I want to see more of it more often. Anyway, the upset of the card, Christopher Rosales, battle-tested veteran. He's been in there against some top opposition. Usually comes up short. Always tough, though. And he went in there and scored a unanimous decision. I thought it was clear-cut over previously unbeaten flyweight prospect Joselito Velasquez. This was an upset. Now, was this like a major groundbreaking upset? No, but it is an upset. It was an upset. So a uh, great win for Rosales. This is another one where they should run it right back. If Joselito Velasquez's team believes in him, run this right back and see what kind of adjustments he can make. I think that's the best thing you could do for a, a prospect like that. Uh, that comes up a bit short in their first big step up, get him right back in there and see what he could do, what kind of adjustments he could make, because he's got 10 rounds of video to look at now and learn from. Get him right back in there first thing next year, man. That would be my advice over there. Now, in the co-main flyweight title fight, uh, the fifth defense of the WBC flyweight title, Julio Cesar Martinez successfully defends it with a majority decision against Samuel Carmona of Spain. This was Mexico versus Spain. So the Mexican-Americans in the crowd, they were obviously going for Martinez big time in this one. Uh, anytime a Mexican fighter is fighting a guy from Spain, oh, yeah, that's political. That's real political, right, if you know the history there. So scores. Uh, one judge had a 114-114. And the other two judges, a lot of people thought this was a bit too wide. 116-112, 117-111. A lot of you guys out there, I think, agree with me. That felt a bit wide for Martinez. It just did. Uh, because I'd say halfway through this fight, it really seemed like Carmona was doing the better work, and he was ahead. What doesn't make any sense 
is that Carmona. Now, maybe he got injured or something, but I felt like rounds eight through 11, especially eight and nine, he just gave him up. He just stopped punching. He started running. His volume went way down. Um, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. If there was an injury or something, you guys in the chat could tell me. But um, he just gave up those rounds, dude. He came back alive in the 12th. But he gave up those rounds, and that was enough for Martinez to get the win. Now, a couple of these cards were so bad that maybe it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But if he would have at least split those four rounds, 8, 9, 10, 11, if he would have won two of those, clearly, then maybe he gets like a split decision win, okay? The 117-111 card, that guy wasn't going to score it for Carmona, no way, no how. But he could have got the other two cards. Um, the punching was pretty much even. I looked at the, the compu box. The big difference, though, and I guess the judges liked this. They saw this and they rewarded them. Martinez landed 54 body punches to only 26 for Carmona. So he doubled up the body punching. If you're making that sort of dedication to the, that sort of dedicated um, process to the body, the judges see that, and, and, and a couple of the judges rewarded it, right? When they saw him just going down there over and over, um, they gave him the, those rounds, maybe a couple of close swing rounds because of the difference in body punching, because all the other punching categories pretty even. All right, let's jump to the main event where Ron Francisco Estrada El Gallo scores a majority decision win over Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez in their third fight. This was for one of the WBC's 4,000 belts at 115 pounds. Who cares about the damn belt? It didn't matter in this one at all. Okay, scores. One judge had this one even, 114-114. For the record, that's how I scored it. I hate draws, but that's how I scored it. Uh, the other judges had 115-113, 116-112. Okay, this felt like a 115-113 kind of fight. 116-112, in my opinion, is a bit too wide to either fighter. Uh, I think you're giving one fighter too many of the swing rounds. Uh, close rounds. I thought the first, third, fourth, fifth, 11th, and 12th were close. Those, they were swing rounds, okay? So what is, that's shit. That's half the fight. So six rounds were, in my opinion, pretty easy to score. The other six rounds were close, competitive, and depending on what you looked at, you could make a case either way, all right? For my money, you know, I basically split those rounds, and that's how I ended up with having this fight a draw. I didn't mind that Estrada got the decision. These fights, all three of them, were so good, particularly the second and the third, that even though I, I felt Chocolatito, I, was, I felt stronger that Chocolatito won the second fight than I do about this one. If, if you feel Chocolatito won this third fight, I ain't going to argue you at all. If you thought Estrada won it, I ain't going to argue with you at all. Okay. Um, it really could have went either way. I, I'm sorry. I got to sell out on this one and, and be really cliche, but it really was one of those fights. Okay. I think a lot of fans though, because they feel Chocolatito got gypped in that second fight. That's why they were so upset with this decision going to Estrada. But for me, the fights were just so good. The action was so good that I, I, I almost didn't give a shit about what titles were on the line. I didn't give a shit about what the scorecards were. I just enjoyed the fights. I really, really did. Because win, loss, whatever, these guys, particularly Gonzalez, their legacies are set. 
it really doesn't matter who wins or loses these fights. It, it surely doesn't. Now, the casual observer who looks at losses, because I think now there's, what, seven losses between these two fighters? They'll go, oh, my God, these guys are bums, right? But we don't give a shit what those people think. I could care less if these guys lose 10 more fights. If they keep fighting on and lose 10 more times, it doesn't matter. Their legacies are set. So anyway, punching, punching. All punching categories were close. Jabs, power punches, number of total punches thrown, number of total punches landed. The only difference in this, again, I think the judges rewarded him for this. Estrada doubled up the body punching. He landed 62 body punches to just 31 for Gonzalez. I think the judges saw that. I think they rewarded it in some of those close rounds. And I think that's how Estrada edged this fight. It was that combined with the fact that Chocolatito got off to a very slow start. The first half of the fight, he looked kind of flat. It's not that he looked bad. He was still highly competitive in landing punches, but he was half step behind Estrada. Estrada looked real good, real sharp in those early rounds. It's amazing that Chocolatito woke up in the second half. For a fighter in his mid-30s, advanced age in those lower weight divisions, fighting 10 pounds above his natural weight, you know, his best weight. Uh, maybe, okay, maybe his best weight was 108, 105, 108, whatever. But um, clearly fighting above his best weight and fighting a fresher fighter who's been through less wars and, and had less damage done to his body. For him to turn it on in the second half and at times put it on Estrada was amazing. Just, just amazing to watch. Fascinating stuff. And um, yeah, Gonzalez, in terms of CompuBox, had a huge run from rounds eight through 10. Dominated the punching in those three rounds. I want to say like in the ninth round, it was the ninth or 10th round, he threw 100 punches. Again, for a 35-year-old guy. And guys, think of it this way. A 35-year-old at 115, that's like a that's like a 45-year-old at heavyweight. Okay, just to put this into perspective. For him to throw a hundred punches in the last third of a fight like that just, just tells you his character as a fighter. Just amazing stuff. And and for Estrada, he knew this fight was both fighters knew it was up for grabs, but he knew that he had really given he had not won rounds maybe seven through eleven. Maybe he won 11, I don't know, but it really felt like 7 through 11 were swept by Chocolatito, uh, particularly 8 through 10, and Estrada knew he needed that 12th, and he went out, and I thought he did a little bit more in that round, threw more, landed more, and um, it was able to get the decision. Anyway, should these guys do it a fourth time? Because they both mentioned that they would. Estrada mentioned it. Chocolatito mentioned it. Promoter Eddie Hearn mentioned it, although Eddie Hearn did say that he's interested in having Estrada fight Martinez. He'd move Martinez back up to 115. Now, remember, earlier this year, Martinez moved up and fought Chocolatito and lost pretty decisively. You got to think he'd lose pretty decisively to Estrada, although style-wise, I do think Martinez, his style would look better against Estrada than Chocolatito. I, I do believe that. So he'd have more success, but I, I think he'll still lose. But Eddie Hearn mentioned doing that. And remember, Matchroom is working with Canelo and his promotional company, and they're doing shows down in Mexico. 
So that fight would make perfect sense down in Mexico City and all Mexican showdown that do numbers down there. It do very, very well down there. So Eddie Hearn has mentioned that. Here's the wrinkle. All right. If they do this a fourth time, I'm there. I know you guys will be too. They could fight four times. They could fight eight times. We'll all be there. I didn't like Chocolatito's response to the question because do you know what he said? Uh, my Spanish isn't very great, but basically what he said was, um, yeah, if they're paying me right, if they're paying good, I'll do it. This is prize fighting and that's, that's why we fight. Uh, it's basically what he said. So that response, I got to think five, six years ago, his response would have been a little different. It sounded to me like a guy that's just thinking about retirement. He was also asked, you know, are you going to fight again? He said, I'll talk it over with my family. That means he's half retired, right? So, so I just don't know um, how much longer he's going to be around because it sounds to me like he basically admitted I'm fighting for the money now. It's not legacy. It's not fire. It's not passion. It's not the rivalry. He didn't mention any of that stuff. It's, oh yeah, for the, if the money is right, we'll do it. 100% about the money at this point, which to me means he's basically retired. Um, so that response, now, am I, am I reading too much into it? Am I reading too much into that? You guys tell me, but that's, that's what I took from it. Okay. Before we get to the preview. Let me jump to, um, I saw a super chat. Yes, from Anthony Santiago. Thank you so much, Ant. He says, I had Chocolatito winning 7-5. 8-4 for Estrada is criminal, but I could see 7-5 Estrada. Chocolate's gotten the short end of the stick in all three of his close fights. That's true, dude. And that makes him a sympathetic figure with boxing fans. Unfortunately for the, the, less, the lesser educated Boxing fans, you know, the younger guys who maybe haven't seen all those fights and they're just going to learn about Chocolatito on box rec. They're going to look and say, oh, man, this guy lost these three close fights when he stepped up. That's how they're going to see it. That sucks, you know, um, because you can't put all that stuff in fine print on a guy's record on box rec. You know, you just you either had to have been there or seen the fights, you know, in detail and understand the nuance to it all. But yeah, I'm with you, dude. That's why I think a lot of people really had a, an issue with this decision. I agree 8-4 is too wide. By the way, 8-4 Chocolatito, I think, would be too wide. But 7-5, um, either way, I can deal with. And um, I have no problem with Estrada getting the decision, mostly because of the two things I mentioned, though. He pretty much swept most of the first half of the fight. It's hard when you lose like the first half of a fight to come back and win it. And then also he doubled up the body punching. You know, body body punches matter in the pro game. You gotta you gotta reward a fighter for doing that. Um, but it just made what Chocolate Tito did late that much more special. You're getting hit to the body like that, having a slow start, and you come back and and win the second half of the fight. It's pretty amazing. But had Chocolate Tito got the decision last year in Dallas, I don't think fans would be as mad. So Gail Falketho with an interesting comment here. She adds, uh, Saturday was the first time Roman Gonzalez had his kids ringside. I believe it was because it's his swan song. Great, great point, Gail. Wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised at all. And you know what? He has nothing to be ashamed of. He could walk away into the sunset right now. And um, first ballot Hall of Famer, he's going to get all of our votes, right? 
Uh, Miguel Alexis Arguello says, I think Chocolatito has one foot out the door. He fought like that Saturday. That's what I saw in the first half of the fight. Nacho says, I think he overtrained for this fight. He looks sluggish and a step slower for sure. I saw that too. Apparently, he he had a super-duper long camp for this fight, which is the complete opposite of what the older fighters should do. You should have a short camp. Um, so anyway, let's go to the preview, shall we? We actually got some good stuff to talk about this weekend. Well, one card in particular. We got a lot of boxing this weekend. All right, Saturday, December 10th. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Conlon Boxing is putting on a card in Belfast, Northern Ireland. ESPN Plus picked this up. Uh, some fun domestic level stuff there, uh, European level stuff. You're, uh, Liam Taylor versus Tyrone McKenna, 10 rounds, 147 pounds. And then Michael Conlon taking on Kareem Guerfi of France, 10 rounds, 126 pounds. And then uh, Matchroom has a card in Leeds, England. This will be broadcast on The Zone. In the main event, Josh Warrington defending his IBF featherweight title for the first time against Mexican uh, mandatory opponent Luis Alberto Lopez. Once again, it's a mandatory fight. Lopez won an IBF eliminator. I want to say it was last year. It might have been early this year or last year. I can't remember exactly. But he earned his uh, right to be in this fight. And then uh, two big cards in the United States. Let's go to New York, where Top Rank has their annual Heisman Ceremony Heisman Ceremony Weekend fight card. These are usually a lot of fun, and they stack this one. Uh, none of these fights are super-duper competitive, although the main event's very interesting, but it's showcasing a lot of their young talent. Top Rank has done a very good job keeping their prospects and your younger guys busy this year, more so than any other promoter, especially in America. Both Golden Boy Promotions and Premier Boxing Champions have absolutely shit the bed with get, not putting their young fighters in the ring this year. Just had awful years in, in that regard. Top Rank's done a pretty good job. So in the main event, Tiafima Lopez going up against Sandor Martin, 12 rounds, 140 pounds. This fight's interesting because Martina had that win over Mikey Garcia, right? And it was pretty decisive. It's not like it was close or anything like that. He basically beat Garcia up and just dominated that fight. So now Lopez, this is his second fight at 140, second fight since the loss to Cambosos late last year. Let's see what he could do in this fight. On paper, this is supposed to be a really good step up for Lopez, an interesting fight. I got to say, just in terms of styles, I think Lopez is going to definitively win this fight. That's just my gut feel on it. His explosive, Tiafima Lopez is everything Mikey Garcia is not, especially at the stage of career, at the stage of Mikey's career where, where he was when he fought Martin. I, I just think Tiafima Lopez is going to dominate this fight. That's what I see. Some close rounds early on, and then the explosive athleticism. Uh, the youth and energy of Lopez takes over. Comain, heavyweights. Undefeated American heavyweight prospect Jared Anderson fights veteran Jerry Forrest in a 10-rounder. This is interesting, too. This is interesting. Forrest has been in there with some top guys and will give Anderson uh, a good push. This should be an interesting heavyweight matchup. I'll be watching that one. I mean, that's going to be fun to see. Also on this card, undefeated Puerto Rican 
junior middleweight prospect Xander Zayas, who you know we'd like to see step up a little bit. He's in another showcase fight, but at least he's staying busy. He's super young, so no harm, no foul there as long as he steps up next year. And then undefeated lightweight uh, Keyshawn Davis um, on that card as well, and uh, several other. I think several of the other uh, Olympians and young prospects that top rank has recently signed again, keeping all those guys busy, giving them a showcase in New York. Again, these, this is showcase fights for these prospects, but I love that they're keeping them busy. It's on a big platform, um, big stage, right? So good stuff. Good stuff from top rank here. This is the appropriate card for what this event, you know, what's, what this is. I, I like the matchups overall. And then Omaha, Nebraska. It's the return of Terrence Bud Crawford fighting on pay-per-view on a platform that none of us have ever heard of. We have no idea how or where this came from. But if you believe reports, they're putting up $10 million of guaranteed money for Terrence Crawford to fight David Avenesian who is a quality welterweight. He's been in there with some top guys, has good experience against top-level opposition, born in Russia, now lives and trains and fights out of the UK. But he is clearly not a pay-per-view worthy opponent, right? Um, Have to be consistent about this. There's been a lot of awful, awful pay-per-views this year. Crawford hasn't fought in a year. His last fight was last November against Sean Porter. That was also on pay-per-view to be out of the ring for an entire year and do nothing but talk about quote unquote negotiations, which I'm really starting to think really never really took place that deeply anyway, between him and Errol Spence. Um, And then you go straight to pay-per-view on a platform. None of us have ever heard of. Yeah, this is a tough sell. So, you know, I don't even know how much this costs. Let me look it up real quick. Because I want to say 60, but I honestly don't know. Uh, let's see. David Avenesian, Terrence Crawford, pay-per-view cost. I'm Googling it right now. Okay, so it's only 40 bucks. Right? Am I reading this correctly? It is on BLK Prime Stream, and it's priced at $40. Now, I like the price. I do like the price. But... I'm going to pull out my trusty calculator here. (laughs) We're going to take 10 million and we're going to divide it by 40. That's not exactly the way this thing is structured. You know, there's a lot more to it than that, but we're just going to do basic math here. Okay. So that means they got to sell 250,000 pay-per-views to get 10 million. Now I should mention that there's a lot more that goes into it that they have to pay for. Obviously, it's not just the 10 million for Crawford. There's a lot of different fees and stuff like that. So let's go ahead and bump this up to 350,000. Okay. Um, Because let me double check my math here. I just want to make sure I'm not completely bullshitting you guys. Yeah. All right. So I would say, let's let's just say 350,000 pay-per-view buys. Do you guys think this will do that many buys? I sure as hell don't. Terrence Crawford has never been a huge pay-per-view fighter. Uh, He has gotten a lot of free press this year for doing nothing um, from guys like Mike Coppinger and those kind of guys have given him a lot of free press. 
How much of that is going to translate to a pay-per-view against a fighter not named Errol Spence? I don't know. I just don't know. Do I think this is going to do 300 plus thousand pay-per-view by? I, no, I don't. Will the numbers be reported? Are we going to get reports of how many people really bought this thing and stuff? Probably not, right? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this gets reported. The usual suspects that say nothing about Gervonta Tank Davis's recent pay-per-views tanking and Showtime losing money on some of those fights and stuff. Um, those guys are going to be very, very vocal about either what gets reported for this fight, the pay-per-view numbers, or the lack of reporting. They're going to be very, very vocal about that. It's funny how these things work, but you guys know how that goes. All right, so obviously, I, I like Terrence Crawford to, to win that fight. I think Avanesian will have some moments, particularly early on, because uh, Crawford's been so inactive. He'll have, have some ring rest. But he's going to find his groove in the middle rounds, and I see him getting a mid to late round stoppage in this fight. Okay, that is it for preview. Now, let's make sure I did not miss any comments. A couple of you guys here. Twal says, this will not do 50,000. Rusty Taylor says, not 100,000. Gail says, if it hits 50K on a night when you see Tiafiba Lopez for free, I'll be impressed. That's a great point. Hamed says approximately 75,000 at best. Yeah. These guys putting up this money, they are going to lose their ass. I just, you know, we'll do the math later on guys. If the numbers are reported, I'll break it all down here. You guys know I will. Anthony Santiago with another super chat. Thank you so much. She says, uh, these last two reminded me of triple G Canelo first two. Chocolatito should retire before he loses to someone that is not beneath him. Usyk, not phased at all by Fury, LOL. Yeah, look, I tend to agree with you, man. Um, what's what's so amazing is Chocolatito, the last couple of years, he's had some really good wins over young guys in their prime, right? Beating Martinez, beating Yafai, those are good fighters. They're not great, but they're good, and they're in their prime. And he beat them decisively. And then the way he was able to turn it up in the second half of this fight was really impressive, but I'm with you, dude. I almost kind of look at this and I, I'm reminded of like when Vladimir Klitschko fought Anthony Joshua, um, you mentioned Golovkin and Canelo, you get to a point where it's like, can they do any better? This was probably their last push. Wasn't quite enough. Why are you going to carry on? Um, so I'm with you. I think, you know, it, Maybe he could do a homecoming fight in his homeland. Maybe he could do one more like farewell fight. Maybe he could sit out next spring while Estrada fights Martinez or something. And then him and Estrada fight for a fourth time next fall. Then he calls it a day after one big payday, one more big payday. I don't know. Maybe something like that, but one more fight at best. And then I'm with you. It needs to hang him up. Still operating at such a high level though. Um, and again, you, you brought up Triple G. To do what he's doing at 40 is every bit as equally impressive as what Chocolatito is doing at 35 at his weight class. It's just impressive. These guys are great, great fighters. Uh, Papa Chubby with a super chat. Thank you so much. He says, we got a great look at Reynoso on Saturday. Great cornering with Velasquez. Kept him focused and calm through a closed eye. That's a great, great point. I totally overlooked. Oh, totally overlooked. 
Great stuff, man. Great stuff. You're totally right about that. It's interesting because you can you see great cornering every weekend, and then you see shitty cornering every weekend. You know, it, it, you can um, really, really tell who's out of their depths and who isn't in the corner sometimes. All right. Am I caught up? I, but oh, I'm actually not. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Terrence Crawford by KO, best bet in sports, nine in a row. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I wonder what the over-under would be for that fight, Sam. If you know, please post it in the uh, in the chat. I don't know if they've posted those odds yet or anything. But, um, yeah, I wonder what the over-under is. Because that might be one where you bet the under, depending on where they place it. But I'm with you. Crawford's going to stop having easy. And I think we all know that. And, whoa, how do I pronounce this? Injectillo. Injectillo 3 with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, can we just bring back HBO? <laughs> I feel like boxing has lost its glamour with all these new platforms. Yeah, I'm with you, man. HBO boxing, say what you will about it. Um, it did have that, that glamour kind of feel to it, right? Like like a high-end, prestigious. Uh, glamour is a great word. It just seemed to have that about it. Like the, the biggest show in town. And um, Showtime was, even when Showtime had better programming, better boxing, which they did several years, particularly toward the end of HBO's run, the last few years there, um, HBO might have the biggest events still though, right? Because they were the glamour show and their production was always just a little bit better. It's just a little shinier, a little more sparkly. And yeah, we're kind of missing that, you know? And with these streaming platforms, because they show an entire card and they pick up a lot of overseas feeds, you do see a lot of awkward moments and stuff where uh, things just aren't running well. Like I mentioned earlier on in this show, I talked about after uh, Dubois was dropped three times in that uh, fight that he had the co-main of Fury Chisora and ESPN completely blundered the, the minute break in between the first and second round where that was high drama that we needed to see his face and see what was going on in that corner, really both corners. And it didn't show us that just stuff like that, man. HBO would have never dropped the ball on that. Never, never, never would have dropped the ball on that. All right. Sam with another super chat. He says, uh, don't take total sucker bet. Just take TC by KO. All right. I hear you. I hear you. TC by KO safe bet, safe bet Indeed this weekend. <clears throat> okay. Let's get a couple calls, shall we? And we'll take a couple calls. And we've been going, I've been rapping for an hour here. So I'll take a couple calls and then we're going to bounce, guys, because um, um, I got to get, I got to get back to the fam. So let's see. Let's go to Nacho calling from California. What's up, brother? Hey, Mike. What's up? Um, apparently you are, uh, burning the candle at both ends because it sounds like you're just logging through the show as much as you can. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm, I'm trying to have a high energy, but you could see the bag under my eyes. I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Yeah. You're fighting right now through it. Like Chocolatito was in rounds one through six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that's right, you get, baby. Hopefully you get that second win. Yes. <laughs> you know, so. All right, Mike, I'm just going to talk about a few of them, especially that one at the beginning. Um, 
everything you said uh, a few minutes ago about that fight is kind of the way I, I saw it. I thought Estrada won pretty much the first half of that fight. And then in the second half, Chocolatito woke up. He came on like, uh, you know, a bat out of hell. Mm-hmm. He went out there and he stole, not stole, but I mean, he won, like you said, round seven through 11. And at that point, it was anybody's fight. And I just felt like whoever won number 12 would get the fight. And I think Estrada conserved enough energy that he was able to get that finishing kick in the 12th. Agreed. And he was able to just outbox Chocolatito, who I think had emptied his gas tank by that point. And I think he was just spent. He had given everything he had, and I I just think he had nothing left. So I think Estrada, you know, uh, got him in the end, and I think he won. I don't agree with these people saying it was 8-4 for him. Like you said, I think you could have scored it 7-5. to five. That's what I scored it. Uh, I wouldn't have been mad at a draw either way, but that's how close the fight was. Um, when they interviewed him after the fight, Mike, you're right. He did say that he would agree to do a fourth one if the money was right. But then they asked Estrada the same thing, and Estrada said that he'd be willing to give him a fourth fight if Gonzalez wanted the fourth fight. So he's not necessarily saying no to a fourth fight. Um Ideally, like you said, Mike, I don't think uh, Chocolatito needs another fight at this point. I think if he decides to walk away, he's an automatic lock for Hall of Fame in five years or three years. Um, and I don't really think he has anything left to prove. The guys won belts at five, uh, 105, 108, 112, and 115. So his legacy is set. Losing tough close fights to a future Hall of Famer in Estrada is not going to hurt his stock at the end of the day. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, and then uh, with the uh, um, Fury Chisora fight, it's like everybody's been saying, that was a glorified sparring session. Uh, Chisora got paid, Fury got paid, you know. Um, it, it's funny because um, Mike uh Today, there was an article where Chisora said that he didn't disagree with the referee stopping the fight when he did, although you could have legitimately stopped that fight at least two or three rounds earlier. No doubt. Because that's how lopsided it was. Um, and he is um, hell-bent on continuing his career. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, what do you want to do? Do you want to end up like uh, you, you um, the guy that Morel just beat recently? Is that what Chisora's trying to end up like? Like, he's yeah. trying to end up in the hospital? Because that's what's going to end up happening. I hope somebody convinces the dude it's time to him up. Like, world-class level. And fighting as a uh, gatekeeper isn't going to get him paid, you know? He's just going to get beat up for nothing. So I really hope that somebody talks to this guy and convinces him he's got to walk away um, at this point. Um, with the Dubois, uh, Lerna fight, same thing, Mike. Lerna's going to be kicking himself because he had a chance to pull off a major upset with that first round where he knocked him down with that clubbing shot to the top of the head. And then, uh, Dubois was smart enough to realize, Oh, I don't have my legs back under me yet. Let me go ahead and take these knees to try to recover as much as I can. And then Lerna just made the, the classic mistake of thinking that he was going to be able to walk uh, Dubois down and Dubois wasn't going to be able to hurt him and Dubois just went in there and 
started pumping his jab and then landing that one-two. And once he landed that right hand that dropped Lerna, like you said, Mike, the fight was over. Yep. Lerna was not going to be able to come back. And, you know, it was pretty much a, a wrap at that point. I agree, Mike. Even though he won and he came back from getting knocked down, this is a huge dent in his um, stock right now. Because at this point, who could you legitimately favor Dubois over that's a top 15 or top 20 heavyweight right now? I don't really think there's a whole lot of guys that you would pick Dubois over at this point. Because him being dropped the way he was dropped was shocking. And it was by a guy who basically wasn't a a real heavyweight. So I'd hate to imagine what a real heavyweight would do if they hit him the way Lerner did, you know? Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they go uh, proceeding his career as far as, like, who they pick next. But I wouldn't get him in there with a top 10 or even a top 15 guy next. I think you got to try to find that happy medium and, and, you know, kind of get his his confidence back and kind of make sure that, he learns to kind of protect himself and, and not expose himself to like some crazy shot he doesn't see. I mean, he has Shane McGuigan in his corner, so hopefully um, that'll be, you know, something that will help him moving forward. Um, and then with the fight this weekend, Mike, I think uh, the most interesting one is the T.O. Sandor fight. I think if Sandor is um, on his game and T.O. is kind of taking him lightly, it's going to be a really interesting fight. And to a certain extent, I think Teal's kind of taking him a little bit lightly because he's acting like taking on Martin's not going to be a big deal as a last-minute replacement. And I think that's the wrong attitude fighting a guy like that who's a southpaw and he's a veteran and he's already upset somebody in Mikey Garcia. So I genuinely hope that Teal comes to fight and he's not looking overlooking this guy one bit. Uh Jared Anderson, I think he takes on Forrest, and I hope he puts on a good performance and he wins. Um, I'd be curious, though, because Anderson feels like if he beats Forrest, that Dillian White fight would be something that he would be interested in Mike next. Do you think that's a legit possibility? we got to see how he looks. If he walks through Forrest and, and beats him up, then, yeah, it's possible. But um... – yeah, I, okay. I, I'd like to see it, but I, I don't know, dude. I, I, I'm I'm interested in this fight, though, because Forrest is experienced. It's going to be Anderson's best opponent to date, and I just want to see how he looks in there against a guy like that. I, I still want to see him take a big shot, yeah. too. We haven't seen him take a big shot. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing we haven't seen. Um, and then with uh, Crawford, Avenician, Mike, I, I don't think that, that fight tells uh, even – Six figures. I kind of agree with Hamid. I think seventy-five to eighty is probably about as high as it's going to go, especially with other cards being on this Saturday. So I seriously doubt he's going to get six figures even for that fight. Um, I think he wins that fight. I think, like you said, he's rusty. The first three or four rounds kind of just shakes off the rust, lets Avenician kind of you know uh, gas himself a little bit. And then as the fight goes on, I think he starts to break him down. And I could see Crawford probably stopping him in like the ninth, maybe 10th round for sure. But yeah, I mean, this weekend has a bunch of of um, stay busy fights and, you know, certain fights that were just kind of like, meh. Uh, the one fight that I'm definitely curious to see is the Warrington 
uh, Venado Lopez fight because I think Warrington is ripe for the upset, Mike. I think Venado Lopez is the wrong guy. He picked the, the wrong, wrong opponent style. to try wrong to defend that belt. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Venado's going to come in there and I think he's going to end up pulling off the, the, the win against Warrington. I'm just not convinced Warrington has enough to legitimately stay as a world-class uh, featherweight. I think he's a guy who can, if you matched him right, he could go on a run and make some defenses, but to me, he's not like the best of the best in the division. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Bernardo's going to prove that, and I think he's going to probably stop him in like eight or nine. So, all right, Mike, I'm sure there's other people. I'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Nacho. Have a good one, man. All right. Two. All right. Let's jump on to our next call. We got 201. You're on the show. What's up? Hello? Yes. What's up? Oh, hey, Mike. What's up, my brother? How you doing, Long man? time fan, man. I'm glad I, I'm glad I finally got on. I found the number and I got a chance to call and say what's up to you. Oh, cool, man. So this is um, your first time calling in. Thanks for calling in, man. Oh, yeah. Definitely not the last either. Um, awesome. Yeah, I just want to say, um, look, bro, Chocolatito looked like he honestly did not want to be there. I saw this fight three times already, and to be honest with you, I'm still going through it because that fight cost me like 25 Gs on a 20-game parlay Holy that I had shit. on drafting. Yeah, dude, I had all my NFL games winning. I had all my basketball games winning. I even had uh, Stephen Thompson beating Kevin Holland, which was an upset. It was like plus 160. And I just told myself, all right, we're going to do the over and under, or I'm going to go with Chocolatillo. No, I'm going with Chocolatillo. And my dumb ass lost. But <laughs> I was scared from the jump, dude, because when he, like, from the ring walk into the first round, he, like, his energy was just, like, not there. He looked flat. And then, and then he, he, looked, he looked like he did not want to be there, dude. And then I'm like, all right, all right. After the first round, all right, he's trying to time him. He's getting back in his groove. All right, no, no, no worries. But after the third round, I said, okay, we got some fucking problems because <laughs> what am I looking at right now? And then, I said, and then his trainer got in his face and said, dude, what are you doing? We didn't train like this. Are you okay? Why are you giving this, why are you giving this fight away already? You're going to believe in the judge's hands after what happened? And that's when he said, okay. And that's when he looked like he wanted to be there. Hmm. If he would have won... The 12th round, in my opinion, that fight would have been most likely a draw. Because it was, I watched it three times, and it, honestly, it, bro, like, it was just so back and forth, like the previous two have been. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, congrats to Estrada. You know, he's a hell of a fighter. But he just looked like he wanted it more, to be honest with you. Um, Fury and Sethora, um, to be honest, I thought the post-fight interview was more entertaining than the fight itself. Yeah. And I just thank God, though, that, you know, people can say what they want about Tyson Fury. Let me just say this right now. Boxing needs more Tyson Fury. Yeah. We need to see that in the ring, especially after the fight, to get people riled up for the fight. I want to see Joy Joyce versus Tyson Fury now. Me too. And that wasn't even a fight that I was thinking about before. 100. You get me? 100. And yeah. it's like, yeah, dude, definitely, bro. And it's like, ooh, sick, you saw that look in his face. Like, oh, man, when I get in this ring with you. And Alexander Usyk. Gets absolutely no respect whatsoever. And that shit has got to stop. He just beat AJ in two fights convincingly. Convincingly. I have yet to see one segment on ESPN about this guy. 
Wow. I mean, maybe they, they have and point. I didn't see it. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. And you know, it's like people like, you know, like you're, we're talking about Terrence Crawford versus David. I can't even say his last name. I could, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know this guy. I don't know who the hell he is. But there's a reason I don't know who the hell he is because these guys don't get covered on the, on the platforms that they should get covered. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's always some bullshit with boxing as much as I love the sport. But I mean, yeah, that's basically what I want to say. Um, right now, I was going to ask you something. Um, you know, Keith Thurman and Errol Spence are going to fight if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not official, but they're going to fight next spring on pay-per-view. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, if that happens, I don't see that being an easy fight for Spence whatsoever, even though Keith Thurman hasn't been active, like, ever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a tough one for Spence. It's gonna, he's going to have to, like, really pull that one out. Because what I'm saying is, I'm guessing, God willing, after uh, this Crawford fight and the next uh, Thurman fight, we're going to see Spence versus Crawford, if that happens. But if that happens... I'm going to tell you, bro, I got Crawford with that fight. Because other than the fact that I think Crawford is just way too faster than Spence. And I think he's more he's more talented when it comes like the technical stuff. And, then, you know, he just he knows how to get in and get out. Like Spence is more of a brawler compared to Crawford. But Crawford has it like his own easy street right now from what I see. And not, you know, and I'm not trying to disrespect David Alessandro, but. I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to compare him to Keith Thurman, especially at this stage where, like, like you know Thurman is going to bring it in that Spence fight. Mm-hmm. We can say what we want. That's probably going to be a really good fight. I hope but, so. Um, I mean, after that, hopefully, yeah, man. Ho- after that, hopefully we get Crawford Spence and it's not another Pacquiao, Mayweather type of shit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, hopefully a lot of these fighters will start getting covered a lot more on ESPN. But, um, yeah, dude, I'll definitely call back. Yeah, what's your name, brother? We didn't get your name. Uh, Omar Perez. We're actually Facebook friends from like years ago. I'm not that I expect you to know who the fuck I am, but you know. The name sounds really familiar. That's why. Okay, Omar Perez. All right, hey man, call back, dog. For real, call back. Oh, uh, I definitely will, man. I definitely will. Congrats to my baby girl. I'm expecting mine. You want to laugh? My wife is a uh, Philippine and half Puerto Rican, so I'm basically fucked. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. shit. Ah, uh, hey, good food though, man. Good food, good parties. All right, all right. That's cool. Yeah, that's basically my only glory right now. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that, brother. Good luck. Uh, I got you, man. I'll definitely call back, bro. Please. All right, man. Have a good one. Uh, great call from Omar. Great call, man. Wow, half half Puerto Rican, half Filipino. Wow, that's a hell of a combination. I don't know if I've ever heard of that combination before. Wow, that's crazy. All right, let's. We're gonna take one more call, guys. Uh, one more call. We're gonna have to wrap it up quick. I think we got Johnny on the line here. All right, Johnny from France. What's up, man? Hello, Mike. We gotta make it quick, yeah, bro. We we'll gotta make it quick. It. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I am not. No, hey, bonjour, Mike. How are you? Are <laughs> you all right? You okay? I'm all right. Just tired, man. Just tired. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's much later here. It's uh, almost uh, one in the morning. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, no, it's uh, midnight, sorry, midnight. Just a few words, Mike, since uh, we're here in a hurry about the heavyweight uh, division. You know, you have, um, 
you have all the best heavyweights right now in uh, in uh, top rank, uh, Queensbury, uh, uh, Queensbury team, you know, with uh, Joyce, uh, Joyce, uh, Fury, Usyk, and I told you last time, I think it's going to be, in the end, it's going to be Usyk Joyce for the undisputed. I think, um, wow. I think uh, Fury is not going to win with, uh, against uh, Usyk. Usyk is going to make him look silly, either inside the ring or outside the ring. Because um, I got a feeling. I got a feeling he, he might uh, do something funny, like uh, get out of uh, into retirement again. What do you think? You think Fury might do something where he gets like suspended or does drugs again, something like that? Uh, something funny. Yeah, because uh, he wants to, to remain unbeaten. He wants to remain unbeaten. He, he, he like really snuck out of the rematch with uh, Klitschko and uh, yeah. he might avoid another Ukrainian fighter. He might, he might not want uh, music, you know? I, I, feel it's like, uh, I feel it's like this. I think uh, Fury is not very fond of uh, fighting music because music, he, music has the, all the abilities that uh, make uh, um, Fury look um, not that fast, not that uh, mobile, not the mobile. He's got the movement, he's got the speed. So he's got, uh, he's got all the Fury's abilities, but better. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, the one thing that I question is will Fury be allowed to get dirty? Because what I honestly think Fury is going to do is he's going to lean on Usyk. He's going to hold him. He's going to hit him in the back of the head. He's going to elbow him. He's just going to get physical with him and rough him up in the early rounds and tire him out. I think that's going to be his strategy. He can't stand in the middle of the ring and box yeah. with Usyk. He can't do that. Yeah, but that's not an easy to rough Usyk up. No. Well, have have you seen? Did you have you ever seen Fury's fight against Steve Cunningham? Uh, <clears throat> only highlights. But I what? know find that, that fight. Put him down. Find that fight on YouTube and watch it. Because what happens is Cunningham has some good success early on. He drops Fury. He boxes well, and Fury makes an adjustment, and he starts getting on the inside and roughing Cunningham up. And rabbit punching him, using his forearms, leaning on him, just getting physical and dirty with him. And the ref allowed it. And that's how he was able to stop Cunningham. Now, Usyk is much, much better than Cunningham. But I think Fury will try to do the same thing. And I think because he's the A side of the promotion, and the fight will either be in England or Saudi Arabia, I think Fury will get away with doing those things. So I just don't know. Uh, I have to think about it, but I don't know if Usyk can deal with that for 12 rounds. But Usyk is not only better, but he's also more clever. Sure. One thing with Usyk sure. is that he's very clever. And he knows how to put those things into, uh, you know, perspective. You know how to put uh, focus on the on the foul play. He knows, he knows how to play, you know, when a, when a low, when a, when a blow is a little low, he makes a lot, a lot of it. So I think he'll be able to, to, to manage that, I think, because he's very clever. And he's seen all, you know, he's seen okay. it all as an amateur. He's been with bigger guys a lot, and I think he's seen it all, you know. Um, so I think he might find a way to, 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 to manage that, because 
obviously, he knows that from the beginning. He knows that it's going to be dirty. He knows that uh, Fury fights dirty most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not only Cunningham, but many, many guys, uh, he, he's knocked out holding while punching and things like this. So he fights a lot of, uh, he fights dirty a lot. Uh, that's, uh, that's known. Um, even even why the fight, the fight was uh, like this, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. a bit dirty, you know, why the fight. He did. So, I think he knows that. I think he's. Uh, I think uh, many people overlook also the power of music because when he when he when he punches, when he lands uh, flush, like his left is uh, very very dangerous. You know, he stopped. Uh, he stopped. Um, I forgot the name. You of have the to respect him. Guy, the, like, uh, yeah, uh, and also like uh, Chizawa. Uh, with uh, Chizora, actually, Chizora was almost out on his feet, you know, in the seventh. Yeah. And Chizora is very durable. Yeah, a previous scholar played uh, spoke about Chizora and um, Chizora, the fact that Chizora needed to retire. I do kind of agree, but uh, a few years ago already, he was already a gatekeeper and uh, he managed to, to KO Takam and got the second round. And uh, he won four million uh, Saturday night. So yeah. <laughs> four million dollars. Uh, it's not really damaged. It's not bad. Four million dollars. Uh, or four million pounds. Uh, I'll, so I'll take cool, it. Cool pay there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, obviously, like he uh, was tired of it for for Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury already fed him twice. And uh, Chizora never evolved his game, so he was really <laughs> he never changed his game a bit. You know, always doing the same thing. Uh, the rich disparage was too much, so it was a really, it was a given. It was a given. Mm. He had uh, no, not any chance, and nobody was uh, even uh, wise enough to to, to guess uh, about uh, Chizora win. So really, it was a bit of a warm up. But um, the funny thing is that Matru, uh we got nobody in the heavyweight division right now. No, no champion, no mandatory, mm. nothing. Matru. And uh, Joyce is next in line. Well, Matchroom, Matchroom co-promotes Usyk, so they they rep, they represent. Uh, Uwe, they're they're still. Well. Uwe, they do they do still because uh, they are kind of off of the picture at the Saturday last Saturday, and uh, Usyk seems to say that he was not with them anymore. To, uh, uh, okay, again. unless I missed something, I I I heard that. Uh, I, I I thought he was still fifty percent. He he has like a co promotion, but uh, may, maybe you're right. I I don't know. I I've been out of the loop, so um, perhaps he's not with them anymore. Maybe he's a free agent or he's just represented because he has a so Russian. He, it's not a Russian promoter. It's I can't remember. No, Ukrainian, Ukrainian. The climate, climate. Oh yeah, climate is his manager. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same as the Kishko brothers too. And he also got his uh, right uh, right hand, uh, Alex Preschuk. You see him uh, all the time. Climas is a more above, you know. You don't see him very often. But uh, so the guy you see the most, more often is uh, Alex Preschuk, I think. You're right. You're and, right. Um, You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's and, Alexander Kraschuk. Kraschuk. I just looked it up. Yeah. Uh, and and um, I think... Uh, I think it's going to be a very exciting 2023. I think it's going to be very exciting. And um, I, I long to see those fights uh, go on. 
I know it's difficult to actually because uh, Fury music, if it ever happens, because uh, I still doubt it might happen, it's going to be very, very challenging. So thank you, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm not keeping you any longer because uh, I know you're already tired. It's already <laughs> late. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and the nights are still short, I guess. <laughs> Given your young father, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to try yeah. <laughs> get some rest tonight. All right, my and, friend. Um, thank you so much for calling in, man. See you. Thank you so much. Uh, call you next time. See you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Ciao. Bye, there he goes, Johnny. Ciao, always a ciao. great call. Yeah, and, and he's totally right. Alexander Krasiuk with uh, K2 Promotions. That's who's representing Usyk right now. Uh, that's interesting. That kind of thickens the plot. That does thicken the plot. Um, so if I take this further, we click on Alexander Usyk here, and then we go to his uh, wiki. Honestly, yeah, his promoter. Yeah, it was uh, guys. I'm so sorry. He was with Matchroom technically from 2018 to 2020. So his promotion right now is K2 Promotions Ukraine, K2 Promotions Ukraina. That's who represents Alexander Usyk. So that does make it interesting uh, dealing with Tyson Fury. That that would um, could make negotiations quite interesting. All right, guys. Uh, good show. Lots of fun. Thank you for all the super chats, everybody. Um, Sam got one more in there. Ant got one more in there. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great, great week. Um, 50-50 on a Friday show because I might be heading to that club show here in Atlanta that night. We shall see. If I end up staying home, I'll do a show. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll talk soon. See you at the fights. 